welcome to the season finale of the Hotcast. I am your host, Chicago Fire Editor and Managing Editor for Hot Time and Old Town Presentation. Joining me, as always, is RJ. And RJ, today is the day we say goodbye to the 2022 Chicago Fire season. How in your feelings are you about it? It's finally over. <laughs> I'm relieved. Thank goodness. Relief, that's your big emotion. I'm not only, you know, for for our well-being, but, you know, for the team and, you know, for the fans, I think everyone deserves a break. I can't say I disagree with you. Um, I mean, I probably won't get one. I mean, I'll get a little one. Um, I love the, one of the reasons I love the world cup is I get to be a fan and don't really have to, um, broadcast about it. Although I, I am not opposed to releasing world cup audio. Yeah. I, I watched like we I could mean, do like, we could do like a Twitter spaces or something. No, we, we if can, you want, we can record an, even an actual episode. Cause I actually, I, I know. I'm always club over country, but I, you know, I can't ignore the World Cup. I, I'd like to ignore this World Cup for a host of reasons that have nothing um, to do with the the football on display. But yes, I agree. With do, you. But you know, and that's it's just really problematic at this point. Uh, you you want to ignore it, but you really can't ignore can't. it. And also, like this is probably the most wide open World Cup there's ever been. Yeah. You know? So, like, uh, there's, you know, eight or nine teams that can conceivably win more, maybe, if you count the U.S. and Japan, which I do. Um, and, uh, you know, it could be fun. Uh, but we are here to talk about the Chicago Fire, which isn't that fun. But it might be fun, you know, talking about... Let's start at the beginning of the year. Um, I, I went back and listened to our first show of the year, the, the preview episode. Um, I said the fire could finish anywhere from third place to bottom of the table, and boy, was I right. Well, that's, um, you're encompassing the whole, you know table right, right, but, but like it was it, it was close either way it could have gone either way you know not dropping a game to columbus here winning the opener against inter miami there and the fire are in the playoffs right so uh, uh, what would you say um I know you said you're you're happy that it's over and you need a break and and I get that we're tired, but um, what would you say the overarching feeling is about the season? Underachievement. I mean, it's it's a really underachievement team, and I I think the fire could have done more they should have done more but they didn't do anything more than 
not they didn't even do the bare basics at times and you know i also did listen to um a few of the earlier episodes that we did this year and i said you know wild card at the playoffs at least and open cup winners and i i at least thought the fire would have taken the cup run a little bit more seriously um, well, that's another thing. That's another one of those what ifs, right? Because they should have won that game against Omaha. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it was. <laughs> I was at that game. It. I wouldn't say that it was the most embarrassing fire moment that I've seen in person. Actually, no, it wasn't even embarrassing because, you know, when when Union Omaha equalized. I I was just there for the ride. I was just there for the lulls. I I knew what was happening. I've accepted that already. I think at that point for me was the end of the season. Just that banter, that banter game they had against Union Omaha, which fair play to Union Omaha for you know going that far in the Open Cup. That's that's the stuff you like to see in in football in general. But that that game for me. He, that that just sealed the season for me. It really right, did. But, but, but let's be clear about Omaha, right? They got to the quarterfinals of the tournament, yeah. right? And they and, and, and they beat a first choice Minnesota squad. And yeah, that's that's what I meant. I mean, it's uh, it's a little bit hard, I guess, to explain my feelings. But I'm pretty it's, sure is not going out three to nothing to the Charleston Battery. Correct. But Which I was time. there for in 2010. So, <laughs> but you know, at the same time, that felt just like the death of this, at least to me, because you know me, I love my open cups, I love sure. that sort of tournament, and sure. for me, that that that's it. I mean, that's on a personal, you know, that's on a personal level with the fire. But sure. the oval, I mean, looking at it, you know, without any unnecessary discourse, I would say where the fire finally met its match for the season where I actually knew that there was no turning back was that crew game. That they lost? Yeah. That's interesting because that's before their... Their little um, rebound? Yeah. That's before they went on that that run in the middle of July and August. Correct. interesting. But the mentality that they showed in that game, and again, it appeared also um, later on towards the end of the season. I'm forgetting right on oh, Miami, I believe. Was it Miami? When uh, they also imploded? No, that was Tor- Toronto. Was, that was Toronto, and that was earlier. Yeah, they beat Miami 3-1. to No, but they, there was also, and I do apologize, should have taken my notes, but... You know, let me just look this up because it's getting bothering me. But so, no, so I... coll- the the there was the collapse against Toronto on the twenty eighth, the collapse against Columbus on July 9th. It's positioned May twenty eighth. Um, the collapse, the uh, July 9th, and then July third against San Jose. San Jose and Columbus were back to back. I think, well, what what sealed the deal for me was definitely that Columbus game, mm-hmm. and you know there are other collapses as well. Um, you're forgetting Charlotte. I was there. 
Um, that was the collapse. Oh, uh, yeah, on the 17th. Yes, and that's, and I, you know, I should have known off the top of my head because I was at that game, that Charlotte game. And, you know, just going back to that Columbus Crew game, that's that's where, you know, like I said, removing any unnecessary discourse, at least in my opinion, that's where the fire finally, you know, met its match. And I figured, you know, if fire can't close out, you know, this game properly, mm-hmm. then they're not going to close out the season properly. So where I sort of knew and I, I knew they were done was the 2-0 loss to New York City. Um, because that game was, uh, you, you know, the, the, the three games against first, second, and third in the East, right? Philadelphia, New York, and Montreal. You got blown out by Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Fine. You played them tough and then sort of, um, got, you know, uh, you were in the game after Chris Mueller uh, brought it back to two to one, and then Julia Costanza scored in the fifty-third minute, and then it was all over. Fine. Uh, but the New York City match at home against a team at the time that hadn't won in like five or six games, absolutely free falling. Um. You know, you you saw them just get absolutely rolled. And by the way, I think they're going to lose to uh, Miami tonight um, in their playoff game. But not being able to take advantage of a very poor New York City squad... um, when it really would have benefited you to to beat them and to be, you know, a hundred percent, you know, if it, I think if they beat New York City, they make the playoffs because they're riding that momentum. I think they go into Montreal and beat Montreal if they beat New York City, but they didn't, and they didn't, and then the season was basically over. Um. But 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 that to me was the single end to the the season. I thought that's when I knew, and it was a little later because like it's MLS, right? Weird stuff happens. You can't, um, you you cannot say that the season is over really until it's actually over. Cause something weird can happen at any moment. Yeah, and, um, so, so like is, it, it, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I was just going to say that weirdness is Miami and Cincinnati in the playoffs. Yeah, no, but that, but that's what I mean. But like Miami and Cincinnati could easily have been the fire easily. And it just wasn't because MLS isn't like that. Unless you're the best team in your conference. Unless you're like Philadelphia or um, I don't even know who won the West this year. LA, great, because LA won the Supporters Shield. Unless you're like Philadelphia and LAFC, the weirdness of MLS can get you. Um, And... 
it got the fire. And the only way to really avoid that is to be the best team in the league. Uh, which the fire are not, and the fire are not even close to being that way. Uh, so uh, you, you've got to account for the randomness in your um, evaluation of the team, I think. Um, which we will get to in depth here. That's basically what this podcast is, is evaluating this team over the course of the season and next year. Um, which is why, spoiler, I'm going to be probably a little bit more positive than you are. And if not, then you are than a lot of people. Because I, I, I think the fire really got bit by the randomness bug this year. Um, I actually, I don't know about, I mean, randomness does take a factor into it, but I think it's also, and you know, I've been saying this in Ad Newsom like all throughout this year. I mean, like I said, I think randomness plays a factor, but I also do think of how the squad was just built, not managed. Uh, We'll go into that later, I think. Sure. But just go on and then we'll we'll discuss this I guess. and they have a lot of problems going into next year with how the squad is built mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it um so let's start our evaluations where everything about this team should start with in conversation uh and that is shared on shakiri rj if you look at Shakiri's numbers over the course of the season they wouldn't strike you as great exactly but you know seven goals six assists a 33% goal participation like uh, on paper that's like a decent season But he really did underperform, you know, like, like taken in isolation, his numbers are fine. I I think for an MLS caliber player, his numbers would actually be wonderful. Right, exactly. That's for, that's, that's for, sort of where I'm going with this. But for a player like Shakiri, and, and, you know, we, we joke that he played in Stoke. We joke that he played in uh, Lyon, Basel, Basel. Um, but you know he he's above MLS caliber, and for you to perform like that, you know, in this league, and I'm not knocking on this league. I actually do think wholeheartedly that this is one of the toughest leagues in the world, mm-hmm. just because of the randomness. But besides even that, you know, for a player like him, who is above MLS average, you know, above average MLS caliber. I, I think those numbers were poor, and I think, you know, a lot of them were, what, penalties? I'm not calling him a penalty merchant, but, you know, a lot of those three numbers of his seven. I think, like, three yeah. of his seven goals were penalties. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of them were also, I mean, goals are still goals at the end of the day, but they, I, I would say, you know, if we look back at the tape, you know, he was right there at the right time. And, you know, for assists, I can't knock him on assists, you know. Some assists were pretty good. But mm-hmm. besides that, the numbers that he produced as a player of his caliber, mm-hmm. I think they're poor. But if it was any other average MLS player, I think they would be great. Yeah. Um, he's not an MLS uh, 
level player. At least he's not paid like one. He's paid to be better than his position. Um, and I and I know I know we'll get to guest on him and his later when we talk about him and his contract and everything. But um, and about how I think that the difference between Shakiri and Jimenez is I never expected Jimenez, even with his DP contract, to be a game changer based on the position he plays. Um, where Shakiri was asked to play, um, his job is to be the guy. And this is one of the things that we both sort of had... Um, concerns about when they signed him is that except for his time at Stoke which was what three seasons at Stoke no it was actually um, fairly quite a bit let me look that up uh, 2018 to 2021 so what is yeah. that like three seasons 20, yeah, 20, 2015 to 2018 Stoke and then 2018 to 21 was Liverpool Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. To yeah, so three seasons at Stoke. Sorry. Um, aside from that, he's never like on any other team, be it you know Liverpool or Bayern Munich or Inter or Liverpool, which I think I said first, but whatever. Mm-hmm. He's never really been the guy. Um, and I think the pressure. And responsibility of being the guy got to him. I don't think he was mentally prepared for it, and you could tell that by with the by by the way he sort of thought going about being the guy you should be. You know, um, barking at his teammates, yelling at the referees all the time, stuff like that. Like like that is classic non-leaders manifesting what they think leadership is. You understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think I think the, the pressure of having to be the main leader of the team, the guy, the guy who's expected to, you know, get the goals and get the assists and single-handedly win a game or two by himself, like designated players in MLS need to be able to do. Um... He just didn't do that. And by the end of the season, I was kind of fine with him not playing. In fact, they they kind of played better well, without him in some ways. And and we I know we talked about it during the FC Cincinnati um show that we did. Um the the fire gave up, you know, two goals in garbage time. Right. But they were dominant through the whole game when Shakiri wasn't out there because they were more dynamic and had more energy and did all sorts of, you know, stuff like that. So um I think that that sort of shows if he's here next year, what he as a player is going to have to overcome and and you know how he fits into the squad is a problem. He's a, he's a big problem. 
and, and I guess here we can start, you know, talking about roster construction now and, and then come back to it as we go through um, players and position groups and stuff. Um, but Shirdan Shakiri being on this roster is a problem because he plays the same position in, essentially as Brian Gutierrez, or at least they want him to. Like transfer market, I have his transfer market page up. Uh, Shakiri is listed. His listed uh, positions were right wing, left wing, right wing, left wing, and central midfield in that order. So he's being played out of position, which doesn't help, obviously. Um. So. And and you have a DP space free. But you also have a young striker up top, and you've got Chris Mueller, who's an MLS starter level uh, winger, so you don't really want to take him off the field. And you've got Brian Gutierrez as one of the best young creative players in the country. What do you do with Shakiri? Do you try and find a move for him to Europe if he has a good World Cup? Do you want him back next year? What do you do with him? I think depending on who's still here in terms of uh, management, per se, if Heights is still here, I think Shakiri does stay, and I think we're probably going to see the same issues again next season if Shakiri does stay. However, you know, I I hope, you know, if Heights stays, sadly, or if he stays in some capacity... I hope they can see, you know, if Shakiri has a good World Cup, if a European team offers the fire, how much did the fire pay? Ten million? If the fire, you know, cut their losses. They, they eight million. Pay, yeah, ten million, I think. Uh, seven point seven. Seven point seven. All right, I thought it was no ten million was his salary, I believe. But, uh, but, his his salary is listed as five point eight, but okay. I think it it is uh, ten with incentives and stuff. Okay, well, you know, if a European team offers the fire five million dollars, I think the fire should just take it and run. Now, his they, current I, transfer his current transfer market list is five point five. That's sad. that's you know that's fair for him. Yeah, I so I, I think if the fire get an offer around there, um, I'd be willing to let him go for five. Um, because I think you've got. You know Gutierrez, Torres, and 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 then obviously you need to go get a uh, a winger or uh, um a, another DP level player. Um, which I've settled on the back line. I still stick by that. I really you think do. it should be a the the fullback should be you know go get yeah, fullback. I, I also do. You know, I've 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 said my reasoning. A few ep or actually we yeah a few episodes ago, mm -hmm. and how I think the fire would really benefit from two leaders in the back with Shehos and you know either someone on the right or the left. I mm -hmm. honestly do, and I preferably think, the right. We'll get to right back when yeah. we get to it, but and that I, is a big I, need. I know it seems a little bit unorthodox, especially in MLS, where it seems like. You know, your DP has to be the flashiest player, you know, in the squad. But for something with the fire needs, they do have those flashy players, but it's within, you know, the core youth that the fire have built up. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I honestly do believe this, I think the DP should be, you know, 
right back, left back, or someone who can possibly do both. What about goalkeeper? Like if they were to use a DP spot on like Memo Ochoa, for example. I I don't know really. I I don't know if I'm down with that. I or, or Terstag like 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 pie in the sky if they could get Terstag in. Obviously, they're not going to get Terstag in, but you know what I mean. I mean, sure, why not? But I also don't want to see you know Brady's growth get hindered because of you know some sure. aging European. I mean, I mean, I'd rather probably see Ochoa them, but um, it's it's a little bit because it's a little bit hard because I I do think that Brady is at least the future of you know, the club in terms of goalkeeper. I don't think, I mean, he probably will get his European move eventually, but I think he'll stick around a little bit longer compared to Slovenia. Mm-hmm. So I, I really don't want Brady's growth to be hindered by, you know, by a DP level, you know, goalkeeper. I think that Brady is well above MLS next. Um, He's a little bit below MLS self i would say i mean he that that last game he performed really well but you can easily you, you know you can easily tell that he's not there yet but and that's why i don't want brady's growth to be hindered i mean if they can find a way let's say if they do have a dp level goalkeeper if they can find a way to play brady against you know what we call bum teams and go for it and then you know have um that DP level goalkeeper, you know, for the tougher teams, but this is MLS and, you know, those bum teams can end up being, you know, the next Barcelona Real Madrid. Well, you know, those super teams can, you know, end up being like the fire. So. Yeah. I completely agree with you. Um, okay. That's Shakiri done with, I think for now. Um, we might get back to him. Next um, thing I want to go over is the striker position because, boy, was that a problem this season. Um, what? what, what you I... go out and get Casper Shabilko, which at the time I thought was a good signing. At the time you thought it was a good signing. I still think it's good signing. I actually do. I think he's going to redeem himself. And I think the problem with Shabilko, he had a lot going on. I mean, all of them have a lot going on. But, you know, Shabilko, you know, new team, new tactics, new, and, you know, family wise also, he had a lot going on there. Um, now that doesn't totally excuse a lot of his performances. I think. Also, Shakiri being, I know we said we're not going to talk about Shakiri. I think Shakiri being in the team also well, I said hindered. That, but he's sort of involved in every yeah, bit of this I, th- discussion. I, I think Shakiri being, you know, playing alongside with Shabilko, I think that hindered a lot of chances with Shabilko because you have Shakiri, you know, trying to do everything. So Shabilko wasn't really well fed in terms of, you know, getting those balls. And, you know, when you're not basically doing anything out there and of course your form starts to dip that's that's just my 
This is just my view. It's just my opinion. I tend to agree with you. Um, Honestly, thinking we'll, that... we'll just say Shakir and just call it a day. I'm just kidding, but... Well, I mean, yeah, there's there's that. But there's also John Duran, who was signed as a 17-year-old last season, but because of FIFA's anti-human trafficking law, I'll call it, but it's the, you know, you can't, minors cannot leave their country. Um, he, um, he, he comes in, in, into camp this year and in training camp looked awfully good. He looked like, like the best striker on the team and he doesn't start and he gets some minutes and some minutes. And then at a certain point, um, I forget why he came into the starting 11. I think Shibuko got hurt mm-hmm. and also wasn't playing well, obviously. But I think it, it was because he got hurt. And then he sc- almost scores double-digit goals playing in half a season. This kid's good. And uh, I, I just wanted to say that he's good and that when they signed him, I knew he was going to be good and that he, uh, he, he very much is the kind of striker that I dream about. He, he is, he is. So, so my comparison to him is, is, you know, because I am an American, he is Josie Altador. He's big, he's strong, he's quick, he's intelligent. And if they could have kept him under wraps, I think that maybe Europe would forget about him and he'd be like one of the fire's all-time leading scorer at some point, except, you know... The fire beat out bids for him from, you know, Manchester United and Real Madrid, I think, put in a bid for him and Juventus put in a bid for him. So, like, the fi- that the fire are going to get a se- uh, two seasons with him is a miracle in and of itself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if he's, if he's that wanted by and you can see why right with all of the um with with everything he does his movement is great his ability to sneak past the back lines of and play off the back shoulder of uh center backs is really good um and I think we will be lucky to have him for a full season next year, which is why also I think the Casper Shabilko signing is important and why I actually think, and we'll get to this at the end when we talk about what you want to see the fire do in the off season. I want them to hold on to the DP spot till summer because I don't want to waste it on a number nine and then be forced to play that nine over Duran and not be able to have some flexibility when he leaves in the summer, if he leaves in the summer. 
Yeah, I I actually do see Duran staying a little bit longer, maybe towards the end of the season, and maybe uh, he'll get a winter transfer in 2023-2024. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's it's interesting of how how the fire will handle this. And I think, you know, I'm probably going ahead of myself, but, you know, like I said in previous episodes, I think it is possible to play Duran and Shabilko at the same time or mm-hmm. at least rotate them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, while, you know, them at the same time, Shabilko is a better Robert Barich and where the only good thing Robert Barich was able to do was to hold up play up there. Shabilko can do that and he can score goals. But with Duran, he's, you know, a little bit more adventurous, per se. So Shabilko can hold up play for Duran, and, you know, th- those two can, you know, find something out. And I actually, you know, in my head at least, and, you know, in my little tactics board that I have, I, I actually do think that Shabilko and Duran, you know, can play with each other. Um, They can play together. And I also do think that the fire can also find a way to rotate them. This is all pending, of course, depending on how the roster is built. We'll get to that later. But I, you know, Durant's not long for the club. We can both agree with that. But I actually do mm-hmm. think that we'll stay longer than the summer. You think we'll get a full season out of them? Yeah. All right. Well, like you said, it depends. And I think, I still think, even if you do, um, it's probably smart to hold on to that DP slot for the summer, I think. The, the the thing is, I mean, especially with that DP slot, it all really like depends on what happens within these next few months. And depending on who is, you know, who's going to replace Heights or not, or if he's going to stay, whether, you know, him by himself or, you know, on the side, I, I think the fire will probably sign a DP during this winter transfer window. I think the fire needs a DP level signing to at least carry on the fire brand itself. I know that's really wasteful and I do agree with you actually they should just hold on to the summer. But if the fire wants to maintain any sort of relevance, they will sign a DP during these next few I, months. I know who I want them to sign. I want them to give PSG a billion dollars and get Mbappe. That's what I want. It'll never happen, but that's what I want. Why not? Why not? I want Mbappe. If Mbappe, and I do think he's, you know, one of the best in the world. I'm not, we're going off tangent right here, but if he wants to prove to be, you know, one of the very best, he has to do it on a, you know, hot, humid day in Soldier Field. Uh, he's, he, no, dude, it's uh, a Saturday afternoon in Houston. Yeah, that's in the true. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who that DP should be. I think it should be, you know, right back. That's just me, though. Uh, but... There's been calls online for Lucas Podolsky and, and who knows. Again? <laughs> yeah. Again. I, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be down with Podolsky. I mean, he's out in Turkey right now. He's he's playing decent out there. Um, I mean, they got Shakiri, so there's no reason for them to get Ozil. So. Yeah, well. Um, 
So, okay, that's the striker position. Let's talk about the wings because it sort of ties into what one of the themes of the early season was the fire just have to hold on and tread water until Jairo Torres gets there to reinforce the wings. Because... Right, but, but, but at the start of the year, they were starting Stanislav Ivanov and Brian Gutierrez on the wing. Right? I, I, let me actually go look and see who started uh, on the wing for the fire in the opener. Because it was, I, I do know it was Ivanov because um, he missed a couple of wide open chances to start the year, and that's how that uh, that's when we knew. Uh, but it was Fabian Herbers and Stanislav Ivanov. Where you, are you starting? Uh, where you're starting outside midfielders? I totally um, forgot about Ivanov. To be quite honest, especially. Well, when he started he the last couple of games. Those, yeah, cameo appearances towards the end. I was like, wait, who is this guy? Yeah. So, uh, Ivanov and Herbers. Herbers got hurt at some point, but I don't remember when. And Stanislav Ivanov also got hurt, but also sort of got sent to the nether because he was terrible. That's who the fire were starting uh, on, on the wings. And then, you know, later in the year when they're on that run... Uh, that, um, let's see, uh, let's look at the lineup against, like, they started Chris Mueller and Brian Gutierrez because, uh, Jairo Torres was hurt, but, uh, the Chris Mueller signing probably saved the season in some respects because for long stretches of the summer, he was their best player. Um, and, and that him, you know, coming back it not working out in Scotland, um, it turned out to be one of the more inspired signings, uh, of the season. Um, what's your assessment of Chris Mueller and the midfield? He's fine. He's great. Like, you know, we've always mentioned he's a great MLS starter. Um, it's a shame that he didn't work out with Hibs. And I also do find it annoying whenever Hibs fans just sneak on to our, the hashtag and start blasting Chris Mueller. Um, but he's, yeah, he's great. He does his job. He does it well. Nothing more that you can ask from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit too cocky, I guess, at times. But hey, I mean, if you're doing your job, then why not? Sure. Um. Yeah, I I, I don't know what else there is to say. Uh, Jairo Torres never really got going, which is unfortunate because he had a great showing in the uh, Apertura up until you know he comes to the fire, and then all of a sudden. He just has a quad injury or a hip injury. It's, it's like a upper leg injury, and uh, I mean, we saw what he it can hampered do, his season, especially you know that game against Toronto. We can see what he can do at mm-hmm. his full potential. It's a shame that goal was called offside, but you know, 
uh, if he stays healthy, then I think I think he'll be good. He'll be great. I don't think he'll be wonderful, but I think that's another Chris Mueller situation where he'll do his job, and that's the most that we can ask from him. Where do you think he's best played? Mm, the middle. You as well, right? Yeah. Anything to get Shakiri out of there, or do you think no, he's I, actually I've, another time? I've always said in the middle, even you know before Chris Mueller came in, I said a perfect scenario would be, you know, Pyro Torres in the middle, Shakiri out in the wing, and I still think, regardless of whoever's out in the wing, I think Pyro Torres should be starting in the middle. That's just me. Regardless Fair. of Shakiri or not. Fair enough. Um. Going back to the DP's discussion, I know you said fullbacks, but would you be upset if they signed a winger to sort of figure out this Mueller? Honestly, yes. Because <laughs> it's just a, a waste, right? It's a waste. And if anything, if they're going to sign a and, you know, this, this just goes overall to, you know, what I said in the beginning of, you know, you, you called it randomness of why the fire or the fire this season, I call it, it's just mismanagement. Not tactics-wise, but, you know, just how the squad was built. And I think if they're going to go waste money on a winger, then at least it should be just a suitable backup, whether if it's Mm -hmm. MLS backup or a USL pro-level backup. And I Mm -hmm. think that's where the fire, I don't know if we're going to go towards this direction now, or I don't know if we're going to talk about anything else. But I think the fire should just really invest in just, you know backup players and I think that's where the overall main downfall is this season. Yes, I did say earlier in the episode it was the Columbus Crew game that sealed the deal for me mainly because of mentality reasons, but in addition to that, it's also the fire wouldn't be breaking down. They wouldn't be blowing all these leads if it weren't for you know if it were if you know if it was a fully built squad then it would be a lot, lot better. But since this squad was bare to the bones, you know, exhaustion got to them, you know, all of these games just get to you. I mean, of course they're going to break down eventually. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys, you know, they don't get any rest. And I think the the lack of activity that the fire had during the summer transfer window was very it was very worrying was very telling and you know that basically just ruined it for the rest of the team so i think you know if and going back to the winger thing i it would be a waste for the fire to waste it you know that dp slot in a winger and like i said just go just go get some mls level or use some usl pro level player just as a right. fill, just as a backup all right let's pause on our reflections on positioning to do the big picture thing because you're right Everything we sort of talk about will come back to the lack of squad depth. Um, in fact, really the only, as it turned out, the only position group with enough depth, ironically, based on you know seasons past, was center back. Um, where like in 2020 and 2021, they didn't have two center backs to rub together to start a, a, a campfire. But they had three quality starting level center backs and a fourth in Mauricio Pineda, who's 
main position being central midfield could, but he can also do the job at center back for a game or two when you need him to. That's the only real depth they had on the squad. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, they managed to stay in it for as long as they did was the, the signing of Shehos and the um, immersion of Widemsburg, Carlos Tehran, and then obviously, like I just talked about, Mauricio Pineda as three other center backs who could come in and do the job. Now, even then, Jonathan Bornstein had to play a game at center back. They had to start Kendall Burks twice because of injury emergency situations. Um, but aside from center backs, this roster is paper thin of MLS level talent. I love the fact that there's a whole bunch of homegrowns on the squad. I think there's nine homegrowns on the on the first team or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, they were all at least one off season away from being competent MLS level players. And with that being said, I have to ask you: Is this depth problem solved by time, in the sense that? some of these young kids are now going to be ready to be MLS backup level players. I mean, yeah, some of them. And I I do think that time will play into a factor, but also at the same time, um, you also need something right now. uh, At least with some of these kids, you know, you can, you can continue their growth with MLS next and, you know, you can easily just rotate them. But you also need, you know, professional level player. Whether if it's going to be on a one-year contract or two-year contract, you need something to fill in the gaps while those kids mature. Um, do you... So, so, so that being the case, but the fact that there are a whole bunch of roster spots taken up. Like the fire, if they lose everybody who's out of contract, it'll be six players, right? Um, the out of contract players are, I have them here somewhere. Um, Ivanov. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, uh. Where are the expired contracts? Um, Sekulich. Yes. I, I do know Sekulich is one, but it's like Sekulich. I think Andre Reynolds' contract expires this season no, as well. Down. They should extend him. Oh. I think he's the player uh, out of like the six expiring contracts. Obviously, Gago Sonin is out. But aside from that, Jonathan Bornstein, Borsekulich, Wyatt Omsberg, Andre Reynolds. Of those four, how many of them should be brought back? Omsberg. Okay. Um, we've we've mentioned you know Andre Reynolds. Uh... For Sekulich, if you can keep him for dirt cheap, I think he'll be a great 
back up to this mystical DP level right back that we've been clamoring for. Mm-hmm. Uh, dump Ivanov. Yeah, okay. that's, that's it for me. So... Uh, Ivanov, yeah. It, it says 2023, but his deal for next year is an option. The fire going into this offseason, not including Ivanov if, and if they don't bring him back, and probably Jonathan Bornstein is the other name I don't think they'll bring back. If you don't include those, they have one open roster spot to make a signing. So they're going to need to create roster space somewhere else and let other players go and or try and find players that, you know, to create roster spots. Because the fact of the matter is they do not have any roster spots going into 2023. I think the roster is going to be very much the same not, uh, it, it going into next year. And that is part of the problem I think a lot of people aren't thinking about yet now. It's just there's no roster spots on this team. Like, they'll have to get rid of a lot of, you know, some of these homegrown players. They're going to have to... You're going to have to send them out on loan or make them fire two only or whatever. There's just no roster spots here. Which is fine. Um, I mean, I, I think you should. I mean, I think. But like, it, it, like, there's no way to improve this squad because there's no places to have players come in. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there mm-hmm. is no. There is no way to bring in players. Like, do you set? And by the way, the the roster spot that they have, the senior roster spot they have opened up is the Chinoso for spot, because he was gone in the summer. So now they have a roster spot. Um, but I I I don't I don't know. Um. I I don't know what 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 to do about this, right? They they've got it, it it's going to be a difficult off season for whoever takes in charge. This, that's one of the things. It's like maybe you leave George Heights in for another year until next season when a lot of players are out of contract, and then you bring in someone else to build off it. Because if whoever you bring in this year as a new general manager, um, their hands are tied going into next season. And they won't be able to do anything until, you know, the winter of 2023 anyway. So, like, do you keep Heights on for this next year as a lame duck? Because you can't do anything unless you start um, selling off players left and right and fire sale. Well, with Heights, I think 
he should eventually be gone. I think he should remain in some capacity. I think, you know, he does have an eye for talent. That's for sure. He just doesn't know how to build an MLS squad. So I'd say keep him on, but don't make him, you know, the head honcho of the whole group. Just just have him there just for the scouting network at least. And if he wants to stay with the scouting network after 2023, then OK, but he shouldn't be a general manager. Right. But but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about. I think the fire needed a new general manager. You think the fire new need a new general manager. But the timing for this general manager to go this season and and hire a new one, the the new GM won't have room to do anything. I think the fire are creative enough to to do something, you know, with a new face. I I honestly think so, and I think because you can get pretty creative in this league. Just look at, you know, Miami. Just look at the Galaxy. I mean, they're pretty creative in their own way, and the Fire can be creative in their own way as well, and if they get the right person with the right smarts, then it's going to be tough for them, but it's going to be doable. It's probably not going to be perfect during the winter, but by the summer, it's going to be a little bit more refined. And we all know that MLS really, for the first few months, you know, it's a wash. Anything can happen. But when it comes, you know, when it comes summertime, that's when it's all hands on deck. And I think by that point in time, the fire can truly fully blossom. I see what you're saying. Um, my my worry is that you have a new general manager come in and be ineffective, and then you start having people blame the GM for a roster he basically had no control over and, and didn't build. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, and then this whole cycle starts all over again. Yeah, but, I mean, that's going to be a tough winner. But depending on who they get, it's going to be doable. Okay. Um, that's that's just my final say into it. And I, I actually, it really depends on who they get. If they keep heights, then it's going to be an awful winner. But if they get a new face, it's going to be a doable I think winner. it's still going to be an awful winner. I, 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 like, I, I think it's still going to be an awful winter. Uh, they've got very little room to maneuver and do stuff. They've got six players coming off under out of contract, which means that unless and there are a couple of them you want to keep, so there's really no room to bring in and sign anybody, um, unless you fire sale. So we're gonna go there. RJ, which players would you try and sell? Let's look at the roster for trade or get rid of. Let's take a look at the roster over here. I don't want to do this, but here we are. After this is this is the job. Season's over. This is what we do. 
Tehran. You try and sell Tehran? Mm-hmm. Why, w- why would you get worse at the only positions of depth that you have? You can replace him with someone a little bit, you know, a little bit better. I think... I'd keep Navarro, actually. Never mind, I'd keep Navarro. I would say Navarro. Spencer Ritchie, I think you can bring someone up from the academy. No, you need an experienced backup goalkeeper. I think Spencer Ritchie's fine. He's fine, but, you know... He can just replace someone with the academy. I think if if they keep him, that's cool. But, you know. Kendall Burks, actually. I He had a redemption tour in some ways towards the end of the season, but I don't think that's enough. And yes, he, he's still young, but right. at least fully I'll devoted to... Fire two then. Uh, when it comes to the kids, this is going to be tough. I I don't think you should you should ask any of the kids actually, because a lot of these kids they have potential. I mean Ivanov's gone. That's for sure. What do you do with Fabian Herbert? You try and get something for him? If you can get anything for him. He's he's one of those players who... You know that meme of that crying guy holding the gun? Mm-hmm. I think that's me right now to Fabian Herbert. It's like, I really don't want to get rid of him. Because he's so useful. He's so versatile. Sure. Especially sure. in the ugliest situation. But if you can get something out of him, then why not? But... That's me just holding the gun to his face and just crying right now because I really don't want to get rid of him. He's, sure. he's a good player. And I think he's also a good locker room influence. I mean, from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really a tough one. But I don't know. Tehran for sure. Kendall Burks demote him to fire two at least, if anything. Um, I'd Well, Ivanov's gone. I actually... With Sekulich, I've always readied Sekulich, but I think, and even though I said earlier in this episode, you know, if the fire can keep him for cheap, then they should hang on to him, but I'm I'm still a little bit weary. Jonathan Bornstein, I think he should just go to the fire coaching staff. I mean, he's going to be gone either way. Sure. So, honestly... I think just Tehran and Burks, and you know, with Burks, he can work with them to fire too. And with Tehran, I'm, you know, he's he's a good he's a good player, but I don't think, you know, if our what we both say, if this revamping of the back line to more leaders, I don't think he would probably fit in or not necessarily fit in. I mm-hmm. don't think he'll just have a place to stay. I think. I think part of it for me is also I don't want to get rid of a lot of these kids, but they are the the kids are the roster spot problems. Yeah, I mean if anything just demote them to fire too. Um I'm going to be honest, I don't know how that works. I don't know if they're still 
if they are on the first team roster and play in Fire 2 matches if they are no longer on the Fire roster. I honestly don't know how that works. So, like, can can you send them to Fire 2 and open up roster spots? I, I don't know. I, I honestly yeah, don't let's, know. Let's, that. Let's, let's that's the issue, issue as well. Yeah. They, they, this team needs four or five signings in the offseason. I think they need, like like just now, not even losing anybody. They need four or five signings in the offseason. They need two more fullbacks. I think they need another central midfielder. I think they need um, probably um, another winger. And they've got one designated player spot to use, which should probably be used on a striker in the summer. Um, so, so th- that's honestly what I think the fire should need to become to take that next step. But like I've been saying this entire time, I don't know if that's possible with you know the few roster spots that they have. Well, who would you get rid of? Who would I get rid of? Um, that's hard to say. Um, John Espinosa would probably be my number one. I think he's underperformed the entire time he's been at the club, and he's not improving. And I think that if you can get some, he's 23, so I'm sure you can get someone to take a take a chance on him. Ivanov obviously is probably someone I would move. Um, the big one for me is Shakiri. I would try and move Shakiri because yeah. you you've got two players in Gutierrez and Torres who can play in that spot. And then you can get a DP winger to play next to Mueller to help Gutierrez and uh, Torres. So I I honestly think a really like, like I said it when we were talking about him a really big clog in the fire roster is Shakiri because he can't do the things you need him to do out on the wing. You have to play him in the middle, which means you got to play one of your other mid, your other attacking uh, center attacking midfielders on the wing. I don't know. Um, I think another one is Gaston Jimenez, even though he's no longer a designated player. Um, I don't really? like the, you want to get rid of him. I don't like the idea of turning Federico Navarro or, uh, Mauricio Pineda into a depth piece, even though P- Mauricio Pineda is probably a depth piece still, even though he's really good. He's a really good depth piece. Depth piece. And I think that also solves your Kendall Burke problem, where if you don't have Pineda playing every day, um, you can rotate him in at center back or central midfield as needed. I don't think you need Fabian Herbers anymore because you have Mauricio Pineda. You know what I mean? You you don't really want two players occupying that sort of roster spot. Mm-hmm. And I think P- 
Pineda occupies that roster spot better than Herbert just does. So if you can trade Fabian Herbert, I think that would go a long way helping as well. Um, I'm going to be honest. Um, I think I don't, th- I, I have not seen what I need to see out of Javier Casas. Um, but again, his contract is up at the, his homegrown deal is up at the end of 2023. So he doesn't cost cap space to keep him. So I think you can, you can wait another year on him, but I think at the end of next year, um, if he doesn't improve, he should probably go. Um, I think Jonathan Bornstein should probably retire, but he doesn't want to retire. I think he said he wants to play till he's 40. I think that's fine. And uh, depending on, and I could take her, honestly, I, I love him. I could take her leave Andre Reynolds. Especially if you're going to keep Miguel Navarro and bring in another left back on top of Miguel Navarro. The roster spot for Andre Reynolds just isn't there. And and, and it sucks to say because I love Andre Reynolds and I understand how important he is to the community of the club. You know, first homegrown player from the city and all that sort of stuff. Um. But if we're looking to make the team better, these are the kind of hard decisions you have to make. Yeah. And it was really, I guess, looking at the, I mean, I've been hard on this team, but, you know, we also do have a soft spot for a lot of these guys on the team as well. Mm -hmm. And at, at this point, it's just trying to find the balance of, you know, just letting your personal feelings aside and just saying, you know, what's best for the team, what's best for the fans, and I guess what's what's best for our discussion. Do we really want to sit and sulk here for 365 more days next season? I mean... Well, I'll, I'll, like, like I said, all of this is supplementary. My number one move is to try and move Shakiri. Yeah, I think we both agree on that, and that's the reason why I just didn't mention him in the first place. I think Shakiri would honestly solve a lot of problems. I think he's holding the team back, and I'm pretty sure there are a lot of folks on the hashtag who is willing to drive him out to O'Hare right now. Well, he's already gone. He's not in Chicago anymore, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean, yeah. know exactly what you mean. I think, uh, and even beyond the on-the-field stuff, like just like on paper roster construction, he's a giant albatross. And like, you have to build the team around him, but it's very difficult to build a team around him. It's especially it's easy, yeah. especially with the starting points that they have. And it's easier to build a team, or I should say, just around the core youth that the Fire have, and you can supplement that with experience in the back and i i'm sticking with it i'm gonna die on this hill but i actually do think the fire should spend that good dp money on someone in the back Mm -hmm. uh yeah totally agree um what other thoughts do you have about this season um let's let's try and close the book this is what an hour and 10 minutes at this point let's try and 
I guess. Let's close the book on the season. When you when you look back at the 2022 Chicago Fire, you said earlier you see underachievement. I, I do um, see underachievement, but that's just me looking. And I want to at least end this positively, at least from my point of view. Sure. Um, you know, looking at this team through a critical like lens. And looking at this team, you know, through, I wouldn't say through a journalistic standard, I should say, or at least through what we do here at Hot Time, it was underachieving. But off the field stuff, you know, such as match day, you know, I've I've gone to a couple of games and I've brought people to games. I've brought people to games who've never been to any sort of soccer games. They've all enjoyed it. And I think this is where the fire continue to excel at is just off the field stuff. And I think them just hosting, whether if it's Soldier Field or, you know, Toyota Seacake, you know, the, the experience, you know, going to these games as, as the spectators, as, you know, as someone who wants to try to enjoy the games, it's great. E- even like the last game I went to was that loss against, you know, Cincinnati. I brought two of my coworkers. One of them, you know, they know the fire back from the Blanco days. They haven't been in fire game in, you know, quick minute. The other one, um, the only time she's been in Soldier Field was just to watch fair games. But, you know, it's, it's left a lasting impact on them. And, you know, they've said, hey, you know, when next season rolls around, you know, can you invite us again? I was like, yeah, sure. And it's it's just the the I wouldn't say culture per se, because there still needs to be a lot. I mean, the fire could do a lot better with a lot of off the field stuff, but as it is right now in terms of just the overall hospitality, the overall experience, the game day experience, you know, food can be cheaper, but you know, that's, I'm pretty that's sure. A, that's a park prices, yeah. Like I said, but I guess what I'm trying to say is off the product stuff for the most part was really great with the fire. And I enjoyed that part. I enjoyed just, you know, turning my brain off and analytically just watching the games with your friends and family, you know, just enjoying the overall time. And, you know, the fire has really improved on that compared back to the days back in, you know, Toyota Park. And I'll end it with that. I want to end with something positive. I know I've been sure. kind of contrary in person throughout the season, but I hope you understand you know, where I was coming out with all those uh, hot takes and yeah. those disagreements I had with you. Oh, no, no, you're, you're right. Um, I think that, first of all, I think the show would be a lot boring if we agreed on everything. Yeah. Even though, you know, thinking about it, we agreed on basically a lot. We, we mostly agree about stuff. Especially I just, when I, it comes I just to, had different takes. I heard just yeah, different uh, views. But especially when it comes to on the field stuff, we're, we're pretty sort of in lockstep, which is, is about interesting considering what I'm going to say next. I think the fire are a lot closer than a lot of other fans and pundits, and I'm going to call one out right now, Brian Sandalow of the Chicago Sun-Times. I think the fire are a lot closer to being a MLS contender than they are to being the wooden spoon. 
I think their young developing talent is very exciting, including a lot of players we didn't get to see this season. I'm talking about Omari Glasgow and Josh Penn. And, you know, we saw him a little bit. Sergio Orahel could be really good, really good players. Uh, obviously, John Duran, but we, which, you know, we saw. But, like, Brian Gutierrez, just, you know, this season alone has gotten so much better. I also think the team have the coaching staff um, to get to the next level. I think they need another offensive assistant. Um, What's Chris Rolfe doing? <laughs> right, exactly. What's Chris Rolfe doing? Uh, I think, I think the academy. Who, by the way, just um, swept all their youth games. They won. Sorry, every youth level won in their MLS next window that just happened. So, you know, all of the youth coaches, including you know Patrick Niako, who, by the way, has has. Spent some time on the first team bench a couple of times this season. Um, most notably, he was, you know, like first assistant or whatever during the Open Cup. I think Ezra, Ezra Hendrickson, as he gets better at game management, um, as he improves on, you know, substitution timing and the like. Yeah, I cool think thing. this team is closer to being good than it is to the wooden spoon. It's going to take some time. I, you know, I read those comments that they left on your last, uh, hot, what was it? The recap, I believe. The, the game recap from uh, the other day. <laughs> yeah, I, I read some of those comments and let me just pull them up again. I won't name their names, but you know, um, and I quote, you must be joking or, a bright future i actually do think you know i actually do agree with you that there is a bright future it's just not going to be soon it's going to be in a couple of years i think um you know you just have to wait that next season you know we might see another 2017 and if so great but there is a future with this club the future is bright it's just not anytime soon I don't think that the fire are going to be wooden spooned here for the next few seasons. They're going to be somewhere in the middle. And if they make it, you know, past the playoffs, you know, or, you know, to the playoffs, great. But I think they're just going to be in that little middle range for the time being until they finally found their footing. Sure. I I agree with you. I always had the 2024, like that's the season for me is 2024. That's the make or break for relevancy, I guess, as far as soccer goes for, for this sort of setup. Um, 2020, like, because, you know, symbolically, the red jerseys are should be back by then, if not this next year. Um, I think it's next season the red jerseys are coming well, back. Well, unless the, the, Adidas the, is being Adidas. So, so the blue ones. So, how it works in MLS is each year you get a new shirt, 
and they alternate the home and away shirt for lack of a better term right so this season was the blue shirt's first season which means the blue shirt will be there next year what we don't know is if we're getting a white shirt or like a a, a city shirt for the secondary jersey next year it could be a red shirt but my gut feeling is it's another white shirt with a design on it of some sort for next year. And then 2024, the blue shirt would turn into a red shirt. That's my gut feeling on this. I cannot wait until other kit. Until this new England revolution looking bullshit is gone. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> well, that, that too, but I love Adidas, but I don't love Adidas. Just, I don't take Kappa. I take Nike. I take, I don't know. I take anyone at this point. I know that's, that's a hard wish, but I'm just tired. So the MLS Adidas deal is done in 20 at the end of 2024. All right. Well, 2025. So that's, that's when the trouble that's when the trouble run happens right there in the fire and a and a Nike or a Kappa shirt. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You heard all it right. here first. Well, all right. Let's uh that is it. Thank you to everyone who listened this year to the Hotcast. We will have some shows dotting the off season around. Maybe we'll do some World Cup stuff, maybe not, who knows. Um, but, uh, if anything major does happen, like a, a big signing or, you know, a Shakiri gets sold or whatever, we will do a show. Um, we will do a post draft show, even if the fire do nothing. Um, and then we will be back hopefully for training camp in 2023. Thank you, RJ, for this season. 25 episodes, I think, we did this year. Not including the off-season specials. Um, it's been a hell of a season. There's been ups and downs and everything. and uh, It's been fun to do this show. Um, yeah, it's always been I, fun. I, I, I know I really seem really down a lot of the time, but I really enjoy a space where I can freely express my opinions, whether you agree with them or not. And, you know, I think most people agree more with you than me, <laughs> just so we're well, clear. Well, you know, but regardless though, I mean, I do want to thank you, you know, for bringing me along again for this ride. I, I do, you know, I've, I've been awfully busy a lot lately in my life um, for better or worse, but I, I always try to make time for this podcast because I legitimately enjoy it. I legitimately enjoy talking to you. I legitimately enjoy hearing feedback, you know, of whatever feedback we get from, you know, the listeners out there. And you make it worthwhile, at least for me, you know, everyone, you and, you know, just the folks who listen, just just for me, just to hang on and, you know, just do this thing. Because I, I enjoy the club. I really love the fire. And I really love talking about the fire, so I, I'm happy that you know we're I was able to do this again, and hopefully next season 
you know, brighter days are ahead. Yeah. And we'll, we... we'll, uh, we'll be a little bit more optimistic, or at least I will. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. Can't wait. Uh, remember uh, the written retrospective of the Chicago Fire starts on Thursday. I will have part one of the 2022 Chicago Fire retrospective. It is the season recap that I do every year where I go through partially linearly the fire season and talk about all of the issues surrounding the club, both good, bad, and indifferent. Uh, We will uh, do that. Look forward to that Thursday, which covers the off season up until uh, the end of June. Uh, so look forward to that. Thank you, RJ. Thank you to everyone listening. You can get in touch with us at the Hotcast on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Ruben Tish. You can find RJ on Twitter at RGA underscore zero two. Thank you for everything. Brighter days are coming for the Chicago Fire. I feel it. I really do. I am more optimistic than pessimistic about this. Anyway, we will see you during the off season. Have a uh, have a good off season. Love your families. Uh, love whatever other soccer teams you root for, except if you're a Tottenham Hotspur fan, uh, then you can kick rocks. Anyway, we will we'll see you down the road. Goodbye, everybody. See you.